Abram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. All right, Bud, we've uh, you know put the close the book on the regular season for 2021 Florida State football. This will be kind of our official season review. Look back at it, highs, lows, the real lows, um, and um, kind of what it portends as far as the future trajectory of the program, where the program is as we transition into full focus on recruiting and as this staff, uh, you know, begins to lay the foundation for a class in 2023 that will be incredibly impactful uh, for for how they do and and a chance for them to, uh, you know, to really put their imprint on this state. Uh, I don't know that anybody's going to dominate the state as many in the this fan base and and others that are located uh, in Gainesville and Coral Gables expect their respective school to do. I think those days are kind of in the past, but uh, Florida State certainly has an opportunity to take advantage of some turnover here and uh, has an opportunity to lean on some of the relationships that they have built over time. But uh, again, recruiting will be some of the conversation, but uh, most of this will be based around what the year looked like and kind of an honest assessment as to uh, <laughs> the highs of game one, the lows of, of week two, and uh, everything else that followed thereafter. Yeah, man. So what they go five and seven. Terrible start. I give them a lot of credit for not quitting when they probably could have, um, at least not you know as a team. I give them a whole lot of credit for playing hard. This was a very, like, a very weird way to reach five and seven, which looking back on it, I think is what we predicted. Um, so hey, we got one right. It's hard to predict exactly how the season is going to go, you know. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting conversation because what we're going to be discussing is perhaps the most predictable result with the least predictable possible roadmap as to actually you got to that result. Um, a theme, and I'm sure something that we'll continue to touch on, and you did, is that it was impressive, the resiliency of the locker room. Uh, and you got to give the staff credit for that, particularly with as much uh, as this has been based around uh, the portal. And they did a really good job of getting guys in here who both could have that you know, one year, maybe two year advertisement that they're looking for. And at the same time, be a, you know, um, successful piece of a culture that needed to change. And uh, those guys needed to be that change agent. So I am impressed in what they did in the culture or what they did in the portal, the guys that they were able to get, the culture that they were able to install. And um, yeah, I mean, you, you, you went out, you had a nice showing in week one. Everything in the world fell through the roof and in, in or through the floor in uh, in week two, and uh, it wasn't like you had some kind of great rebound immediately. If you would have uh, entertained you and I as we were making our way from uh, where we watched the first half of the uh, of the Louisville game as we were uh, transitioning in the stadium to the second half. You know, he probably could have sold us on the idea that maybe we needed to pivot this to like a barbecue channel or something like that, because uh, it was in a program was in a rough spot, and uh, you know the fan base's interest in it was uh, was waning pretty significantly at that point as well. But uh, you know, they got things together, built on uh, on 
effort and focus incrementally ended up getting some pretty significant wins that I think will do a lot for the future. Uh, but it's it's a hard year to recap. It really is. Uh, you've got to acknowledge the failure uh, that that transpired early and, and also acknowledge the uh, continual buy-in and improvement that took place in the final you know, four or five games of the season. I agree with you on that. So you want to letter grade this thing? Do you want to like, like on, on my son's report card, it has like, I don't know, accomplished working on it or like not, I don't know. They use some nice word for like, not, not yet there. He's one of the younger kids in his class. So he, he uh, he's not yet attempted the, I don't know, balance beam or something like that or whatever. Um, you know, how do you want to grade this thing? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think we can, we could go a lot of different directions. Maybe we need to have like dramatic failure, improvement needed, improvement shown, full proof of concept. I mean, is that a decent enough spectrum as to the worst end and something that at this point, two years in, we can say with confidence that we think is reflective of this head coach and staff? Sure. I mean, do, do you think this year overall was – what do you think of it? I think it was a strangely successful five and seven year. I mean, I think that you showed enough that you have pretty significant support and buy-in that you both have the right guy. And if, um, you know, the events of the last five days in the college football world needed people to be, um, you know, fully reminded that uh, it is a whole hell of a lot easier and cheaper to support the guy that you have and give him all the tools successful to be uh, the coach that you want him to be as opposed to going out and flirting with paying somebody $9 million a year or whatever the, you know, the open market's going to dictate the next time you get out there, then yeah, I think maybe that message has landed with some in Tallahassee uh, that they are very confident, they think that they have the right guy, and they know that they don't want to go shopping anytime soon. And I think this year, from a pure macro perspective of the of the season, provided people with enough belief that uh, this is a guy that they want to tie themselves to and that they have confidence will be able to, you know, not ultimately this may not end with Mike holding what I was going to say, a crystal ball or, you know, the more modern trophy at this point in time. Uh, but this is a guy that's going to put you back uh, with a, a fundamental foundation with which to build upon and and not have you be this kind of uh, vessel that was quickly you know going astray and kind of as rudderless as a college football program could be for about two or three years there i i think that's fair um i give him high marks for keeping the team together over the course of the season i think it like obviously objectively not a good year. Subjectively, when, when you take into account the roster, like you said, they, they met expectations in, in sort of a roundabout fashion. Um, we learned early in the year that Mike's attempt to flip the roster culturally was not yet complete. Because I, I think if it was, if you had the type of practice habits and consistency habits, it, 
you don't have guys blowing off meetings, right? Or, or showing up baked or, or like, like that, you know, you did not get the team's attention correctly. And I don't think you handled it correctly against Jacksonville state. The casual sidewalk fans are going to remember that for a while. Guaranteed. There's a lot of people that don't believe in Norvell because they lost Jacksonville state. Now, clarify when you say he didn't handle it correctly. Do you mean going into that game or his response to the game afterwards? Into the game. Okay. I think they actually did a pretty good job of getting the team together. Right. You know, post. And I don't mean like immediately post the game. I just mean, mm-hmm. you know, down the stretch. They also managed to keep the recruiting class together. Now, starting 0 4 undoubtedly hurt your chance with some recruits that you're not going to get back. Not kids who left the class, kids who you were still chasing. They've done a tremendous job of keeping the class, you know, together. Yeah. They, <clears throat> excuse me. I certainly think that you, the way you started impacted, uh, well, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I think ultimately if Bama if Bama calls, the, the Pritchett kid would have been had a whole hell of a lot of trouble as far as holding off. You didn't do yourself any favors by going 0-4. Uh, but I honestly think you could be 8-4 and right now, and if UGA turned on the full gas for Ba, he's he's probably going, you know? so Yeah, I, that's I, more like he lost weight yeah. too early. If he, if he had stayed heavier, you, you, you'd probably get him. Now you're right. There probably will be some kids that you pursued during that period of time that uh, you know your message started to to not land. Uh, but I think as far as the class on hold, it did a really good job. I'm not suggesting you said anything other than that. Uh, but I do think the way that your victories fell, and I alluded to this a second ago in kind of a long rambling opener, which is never a great tool in podcasting. But uh, I do think that the way you beat Miami. And almost as important, the way you went up to Boston College and didn't look like a team that just got drunk on a small amount of success, right? You went up to Boston College, you're focused. Um, I think you've got as much support here as a coach has had probably since 2015. Uh, I think people are, are fully behind this staff. I, th- I don't think Florida State's going to be one of these schools that just goes out and turns the world upside down when it comes to NIL, but I do think they've gotten ha- their house in order a lot more than that, and they're ready to kind of walk into those waters. Uh, I think the Miami win was big. I think the Boston College win was almost as big as convincing everybody, hey, this is the guy, this is the right guy, uh, we, need to, we need to start showing the support and, and doing everything we can, because uh, again... You know, Florida State knows where they're. I'm not saying I, I disagree with some that say, "Oh, this is always going to be a program that's hiring from the from the G5." No, I, I disagree with that. But you've had a real harsh reminder served over the last four or five days as to the money that's necessary to go even try to flirt with an elite or with a candidate that could be viewed as an elite hire, and that uh, this school is fully on board with giving as much support as possible to this staff this head coach, and seeing what ultimately blossoms from that. And I do think that has a lot to do with the ways that this year's seasonal victories played out. A long-winded way of saying, yeah, maybe uh, the 2022 recruiting efforts of the Class of 22 could have been slightly better had some of your wins been more 
stockpiled towards the beginning. But I think the way that it played out, the win over Miami, the the showing at BC, um, a, a nice score at Florida, if such a thing exists, um, has you on pretty good footing and, and a staff that's eager to try to uh, go out and, and put a second really elite class together and, and lay in the foundation for 2023. I think that's actually a really interesting point you bring up. You know, it's something that we... We, we sort of disagree on, but I think you make a really good point there, right? That, and I think my mind has been changed some that may, maybe starting 0 and 4, you know, was not the disaster that it could have been momentum wise because you did turn it around, you know, down the stretch to the extent that kids watch games. A lot of them don't, right? But you send them graphics, you certainly let them know you, you finished strong, started turning things around here. You may even send them graphics showing the terrible start you got off to, right? You know, three and six and then 0 and four, three and 10 to start the career, and then, you know, five and two down the stretch or five and three, rather. Like, that's not, that's not something that's that, that bad, really. I, I am interested in kind of what you think. Do you think, given this team's schedule, should it have done better? Because I feel like I think about the preseason expectations for this team. Their biggest biggest win total was five and a half. I think you and I both fell on the side of five, but you know six obviously more likely than four. I don't know, man. Um, I do think that like some of these teams, when I when I look at at where they finished SP plus right. So, obviously, you played Boston College. You played them with, with Dracovic. Their, their ranking is going to be quite dependent on whether you played them with Dracovic or not. They finished 71st in SP+. Now, with Dracovic, I think they were quite a bit better than that. They also had a flu game to end the year against Wake, and they got totally pasted, and they were missing a whole bunch of guys. Notre Dame is a legitimate top-10 team. Okay. Wake Forest, 32nd in SP+. Kind of got waxed by them. Their defense was pretty trash. You weren't able to take advantage of that. Louisville, 47th in SP+. Again, you, you, you were playing Milton, but they're not that great. You lost to them at home. You were really out of the game by the end of the first half. Syracuse, 73rd. You win by three. North Carolina, 46th. You go up there, you win by 10. That was pretty impressive, I thought. UMass, obviously, take care of business. Clemson, Bills got them ninth. I would agree with that based on that defense. You, you, you battled them. I mean, you really never had hopes of scoring all that much, but you, you played hard. NC State, you, know, you, you end up missing Jordan again, and you get waxed. Miami, 34th. I guess what I'm saying here is like this schedule in the preseason, I think it looked tougher than it ended up being. And you still missed a bowl. That's not great. But I think this team also had more issues than I realized. So I, I don't know. I kind of have mixed feelings on this. Yeah. 
<clears throat> well, look, I mean, week two is an unmitigated disaster. No excuses, no comment needed other than that's a all but an immediate fireable offense if anything like that were to ever occur again. Uh, so there's no, I don't know how else to, to put that, you know? I mean, it happened. It was, uh, <laughs> it wasn't great for your perception, made you a laughing stock, was horrible for the local economy, blah, blah, blah. It happened. Uh, you should have been six and six this year at the least, you know, that's, uh, something that, uh, that will be kind of forever. I don't know if it'll be forever held against you, but it certainly won't be forgotten. Or maybe, is maybe the recruiting success clouding my judgment of the season? Yeah, it probably is. But at the same time, it's also what you and I and many others said this whole season was all about. I mean, nobody expected to have a whole lot of success. You needed to put out a competent enough product to not see the class fall to pieces. Look, I don't know what the odds are. You're better than that than I am. But you you caught lightning in a bottle, a unicorn, whatever expression you wanted to say. You could, you could recruit for 200 years, and you're not going to find a kid that's as uniquely talented, maybe the best player in the class, who just loves your institution. Now, credit to Marcus Woodson. I'm not diminishing the relationship that he built there, but... I think it's fair to acknowledge that the recruiting class was what this whole year was about. You did a great job of keeping it together. You may even flirt with a great job of closing and really sign an elite class here. Um, But you were also the beneficiary of a piece of luck that you just don't ever, ever see where you see that type of talent, that type of elite kid, you know, not just like your institution, but, you know, be as seemingly as full <laughs> as full-hearted a supporter of as many of the people that listen to a podcast like this or you know consume your writing over at Knowles 247 or whatever else it's uh, a very fortunate beneficiary uh the likes of which you won't see happen again yeah no there's, there's no doubt about it what would you say you want to go offense or defense here and kind of evaluate the overall performance i i, I you finish 48th in SP plus overall. So that they did hit that top 50 mark and that's opponent adjusted. So while the schedule was easier than we thought, uh, that is opponent adjusted. We basically said, or I don't know if there's a, we, I said, if they reach top 50 in SP plus, I will really agreed upon. Yeah. I will not be bitching about things very much. Yeah. All right. I think that's fair. Obviously, you know, my thoughts on, some of the like how the computer sees the box score for, for Wake and Louisville. That's only two games. You know, they also, the computer doesn't give them credit for playing BC, but you're Kovic, you know, so that, that matters. Uh, I, I'm fairly confident that this team overall performance was a top 50 level. I, I think it kind of nets out pretty clearly within the top 50. Offensively, they finished 56th in SP. Plus. Of course, that factors in McKenzie playing for. How many snaps did McKenzie play? He threw 100, 139 passes, and he had 20 rushes. So, I mean, a couple games were worth the snaps for McKenzie Milton. He was a very clear miss in the transfer portal. Like, not an FSU-capable player. Our fears on him were confirmed. It was like, wait a second. Like, let's go back to, to the offseason. 
I was told FSU was not his first choice. I was told that there were other schools that he thought he was going to be able to go to, and they did not want him. FSU pounced. I still think it was an acceptable risk and a smart risk to take on a guy that you had played against who was an absolute competitor and a really good player back when he had you know two good legs. But it didn't work out for you, and you and you went 56 in SP plus offense. That's a pretty big, you know, improvement from where you were last year. Obviously, how much can we really buy into this year-over-year improvement stuff? I don't know. I was talking to Ralph Russo of the AP, and he was like, "Look, the very top teams, I think, were really trying last year. Everybody else, I think, was just trying to get through the year. So." I don't know how much you want to measure year-over-year improvement. I, I do think, I go back to the point, though, Like, how many of these guys would start for UF's offense? Again, as I said, I had two sources. One said maybe Robert Scott. One said maybe Jordan. I think they did a pretty decent job coaching this thing overall, man, especially when you were having to play musical chairs at the QB position because, you know, Jordan, with, with, with the health condition and stuff, you know, just not... It's tough to achieve consistency there, which if you listen to our portal episode, obviously there, there's a reason why uh, why I think they should they, they should pursue an additional quarterback. I give the offensive staff pretty high marks. Uh, I also give, uh, you know, we're gonna, this is repetitive, but whatever the thought process, theory, game plan was for, for Jacksonville State was embarrassing, you know. You came out and uh, you experimented a lot. And, and and I know everybody's attention is on the multiple quarterback formations and stuff, but the, your whole first half was interesting, Inter- very interesting approach to it. And the fact that you didn't just swallow your pride and let the guy out-athlete him, which is exactly what was required to beat that team last year, which is why it was such an unforgivable sin, in my opinion, is something that I remember. But look, man, you're using you, – Coaching staff had to coach its ass off to have the levels of production that it did. You had to constantly try to play the game of paper, rock, scissors, and then hope you were throwing, you know, paper when they were throwing rock and etc. Uh, you had to try to trick people constantly. Um, could never line up in base predictable, you know, form down a distance and have success. Um, I give the offensive staff an awful lot of credit uh, for what they did, particularly at the end, you know, in the back half of the year and some of the things that they schemed up to have uh, the levels of success that they did. So um, I don't want to forget Jacksonville State, and I don't want to forget some of the things that were frustrating about the season, but on the whole, I give uh, Dillingham and, and Norvell uh, and Atkins uh, a whole lot of credit for what they were able to draw up and what they were able to execute with a personnel that's still pretty damn limited. I think when you factor in the recruiting as well that these guys do, um, overall, yeah, I, I, I'd give them certainly a passing grade given all the personnel issues that they had. And some people complain about a lack of adjustments, but some games you only had one card to play. It wasn't like you had any kind of ace in the hole, man. If that didn't work, you, you were dead in the water. Just personnel-wise. So, I feel like things are moving in the right direction there on offense overall. You know what else is really moving in the right direction? 
our number of home loans that we've yes, seen. Yes, sir. 844-FSU-LOAN, 844-FSU-LOAN. We'll get you hooked up with Shannon and Chad. Absolutely the best in the business. I've used them twice. Price, quality, service, knowledge of the industry, expertise. True love for the Knowles. Literally texting us again during the podcast and saying what's up to those guys. Almost 250 Knollcast listeners have, have done so. You could be that lucky 250th. Who knows? You could be. You could also be the people that are tasked with evaluating the defensive side of the ball. This is this is tricky for me. I mean, there were again, and not just Jacksonville State. There were there were things out there that were, you know, uh, again, a level of performance that's indicative of a coach that's not going to keep his job or a coordinator that's not going to keep his job in the first couple of weeks. And then there's also very real improvement and some of that coincides with personnel changes some of it coincides with personnel buy-in um this again no there's nothing that's real clear cut about this team and easy to uh grade but the defensive side of the ball i'm gonna have a challenge with i am going to point out and we've said it recently and others have as well that uh hey look you got one of the best position coaches of all time on this roster and uh odell continues to develop interior talent and uh put out a unit that was a whole hell of a lot of fun to watch this year uh and that was the one thing that was consistent from the first snap against notre dame to some of the final possessions against uf uh you had really nice interior defensive line play nice defensive line play overall uh but uh, impressive what uh what that side of the ball and and what uh the ends coach and the defensive tackles coach uh, was able to do I would agree with that. Um, did this unit play to its talent, play above its talent, play below its talent? They finished 38th in SP+. They do have some clear limitations at safety uh, before they moved Jamie Robinson there. Uh, they have some continuing limitations at linebacker. I think it's fair to give them somewhat of a pass because of how many transfers you were using on defense that they did not correctly evaluate some of their talent early on in the year. But the Louisville game was an embarrassment to me. Like that, that was the one It was like, this is just, this is hot garbage, right? Louisville is, they're good offense. They're 30th ranked offense in SP plus. They're, they're not, you know, an amazing offense. And they just, they killed you. It was not competitive in the first half at all. And you'd be like, oh, you made some adjustments. We've also proven that they stopped throwing the ball down the field, you know, and stopped trying to put, basically stopped trying to push. Um, I don't know. What, 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 what would you say about these guys overall? Adequate? Above average, below average. Mile, the slightest of above average is job done here as possible. I mean, I, th- I do think you had some legitimate talent. You want to give credit for developing Jermaine, but Jermaine's just a really good player. He's better than you thought he was going to be. Kier Thomas, great get, really good fit, both on the field and off. I want to give credit to Coach Marv uh, and. 
point out that it was very nice to see the development and emergence of a linebacker for the first time in a long time. Kalen Deloach is a piece that you can build around and will be, uh, you know, one of the one of the focal points of this defense next year. Um, it's been a while since we've seen this, since we've seen that. Uh, still, better job that needs to be done at linebacker overall. And I want to say Lundy for what he is. I thought they got pretty good production out of Lundy. Uh, he's physical as all get out, runs straight line pretty quickly. If he's got to be in pass coverage or if he's got to, you know, if there's any kind, if he takes a first, if he takes a bad step, it's over, as it is with many linebackers, but him in particular. Um, I think, all things considered, they did an above-average job here. You do have some nice pieces. You also had some pieces that were, you know, uh, wildly overrated coming into the year based off what they gave you, and, um, you know, you you had to make a decent amount of movement and personnel to kind of get that right, not just moving, you know, Jamie. Uh, Dent kind of had to take back and uh or had to you know get situated and get comfortable playing safety uh it was just a work in progress but uh, on the whole i would you know say above average or you know somewhere between a c plus and a b minus job done with this side of the ball yeah i i i definitely don't think that they exceeded their talent level um i i guess i could be talked inadequate on the course you know of, of the season they definitely got better down the stretch I do think, especially when you factor in recruiting ability, you you could do better at defense coordinator. You know, like how serious is FSU about about winning, right? Like, I think they could get a guy to coach coach the defense just as good as Fuller, who's a better recruiter, if they want to go and spend the money to do it. Will they? Will Norvell do that? I don't know. He may be swayed by the development down the stretch, but. Part of that development down the stretch was Jermaine Johnson and Kier Thomas kicking everybody's ass. And you won't have those guys next year. You will still have the issue of Fuller is not really an asset in recruiting. So, I mean, you got a couple guys on that staff that can recruit really well and a couple guys who are still very much either improvement mode or just clearly like not good at recruiting. On the defensive <clears throat> side of the ball, yeah, yep. No, that's that's more than and you're going to have say. tougher competition there, right? Like I do expect Florida to recruit better under Napier because it's not Mullet. With Miami, we'll see. Like if they get Cristobal, you're going to be in some dogfights. Thirty eighth with, with the talent they had on defense, I can't say it was terrible. I can't. They improved a lot down the stretch. I still think you could upgrade that spot. Yeah, I think uh, there's certainly a premium placed on continuity, and uh, I don't expect you to see a move at, at defense coordinator. But yeah, I mean, you certainly could improve. You could. Uh, I don't. I'm I'm hesitant towards tying a, a move at coordinator as a as a pure reflection of how uh, serious they are about that. But yeah, I mean, obviously, if you want to go pay uh, significant money, there's better options out there. Um, I don't expect that to happen. I think Florida State's defensive staff uh, will be more or less wholly intact moving into the 2022 season. I think that's fair. I'm not saying you have to go make one. Um, I get the value of the continuity. I do. And for a program that has not had continuity, I mean, at all recently, 
You make a good point. Um, you want to talk special teams? I mean, I know that's not something we really do a whole lot. Uh, it's not going to be a pleasant conversation, but John Papucci is a really good coach. Uh, but whatever the effort was at special teams last year, this year, was one of the more embarrassing things that I've ever seen. And it finally, I don't, it's not fair to say that it cost you the UF game, uh, but it put that game down a path that you really weren't going to win at that point. Um, you flirted with it many other times. You damn near lost the Miami game because of your inability to handle punt return. Special teams is very bad. Punt return was a nu- nuclear disaster almost from the first kick of the year. I don't understand how you were that bad throughout the course of the season. And even in game 12, you've got rotational guys back there. You've got a guy who clearly doesn't ever want to catch the ball, but has been coached, hey, look, if we're going to have you out there, you've got to catch the ball. I don't know. It it was, uh, you know, an F is too kind of a grade to give – uh, at least that particular aspect of special teams, and really special teams as a whole, was nothing less than a pretty significant and magnificent at times failure. I, I, would, I would agree with that. Um, the interesting thing here is, if you look at some of their metrics, this is unbelievable, and it doesn't really factor in turnovers, so I should note that, because clearly it's off. But just their raw SP+, plus special team score has him 34th in the country, Mm. which again, doesn't factor in the turnovers. So, and they had a couple obviously, but Ingram, even without the turnovers, they were 107th in punt efficient punt return efficiency and 108th in kick return efficiency, 92nd in kickoff efficiency. They were 11th in punting. Well, they had That's some they had really, some really, really nice good. punts at the end of the year in particular, yeah. you know. I mean, and, and some of that, one of them was a UF kid doing exactly what we complain about all the time. Gave him an extra 22 yards. I think that ball was down on the three because the kid, just the right. last minute, decided he wasn't going to catch a ball that was five yards to the right of him. Um, a subject matter that I'm oddly passionate about. Uh, but uh, it just, I appreciate those, uh, and it somewhat confirms what I thought I saw with my eyeballs, but, uh, you know, just all the, all the effort, everything that goes into being a successful football team. And then to go around and have a unit that is just actively giving away swaths of yards. And um, again, I'm referencing uh, the punt team this year, the punt return team is madness. So I don't know if you see different responsibilities there next year, uh, but something has to change. It's bizarre that we've spent as much time as we have talking about this, but it's also warranted. It was, uh, you know, nothing less than a, a dumpster fire. Like, to be clear here, um, you, you're not going to fire John Papuchas over special teams. Special teams are not a third of the game. They're not. Like, I know people love to say that. That's total BS. They're like 5% of the game. You know, he's done a very good job with the defensive ends, including... He's actually developed Fuller and McClendon to where McClendon is a way better player than I ever thought he would be. Yes. By by miles. Much better player. So, like, when I evaluate John Papuchas, 
I'm going to evaluate him about 95% of what he does on the recruiting trail and what he does coaching the defensive end room and about 5% on what he does special teams. However, Norvell clearly needs to bring in somebody, a consultant or something in the offseason, and I suspect they're going to talk to a lot of people about this. And maybe getting Mortimer in there to return punts just fixes some of the catch-the-ball issues. I mean, he is the leading punt returner in, in Broward County history. So there's been a lot of fast guys who can catch the ball come through that county, as, as I know you're aware. But you, you can't be 108th and 107th in kickoff, kickoff return and punt return efficiency. That, that does hurt you. I know, I know I just said it's not a huge part of the game, but that does put you behind the eight ball at times, man. That's not good. That's not good. That that will be the comment that we leave you with special teams overall because uh, it was the most PG way that we can put a <laughs> a uh, a broad recap of the unit and hopefully it's one that gets a whole lot better. The good news is is uh, you know you've got nowhere to go but uh, when it comes to something like that. The other good news is that you have the opportunity to work with our good friends at Congruity and if you need somebody to uh, map out a dramatic turnaround for you. Uh, then maybe Matt Lewis is the guy. Uh, Congruity is doing nothing but giving you the opportunity to experience your business optimized, highly customized HR solutions designed to enhance your brand, save time, save money, and reduce business risk. Matt can be reached at 844-247-4100 or Knowles at congruityhr.com. Where where are you at with this program right now? I I, I know... It's probably worth talking about the how do I say this? Do you feel like Mike correctly communicated the expectations to some of the bigger boosters that we know? In, you know, the private conversations they had preseason last year in the meetings they had that were, you know, like they couldn't have booster club meetings, but if you're a big enough booster, you certainly got meetings with, with Norvell. How would you compare? Because you're you're a little you know better on the booster side than I am. How would you compare? Like how they view his competency compared to like Willie's? Because yep. obviously the results on the field are not great so far. But I think he you know as he did with the kids that were committed, he he was very smart in his approach there. And uh, you know this is not I'm not breaking news, but the the. Uh, the message was improvement and the message was, uh, you know, you're going to see a, a team that fights. You're going to see a team that, uh, that makes you proud as far as the level of effort that they put out. But you know, the record, uh, the win loss record may not be, you know, fully there. Uh, so I think, I think he did a really good job there. And it doesn't mean that when they were 0 and 4, <laughs> people weren't pissed off. It doesn't mean that, you know, when they were 0 and 4, uh, that, a lot of guys just kind of emotionally decided to uh, to tune out for a little bit there. Um, but on the whole, I think, you know, Mike Norvell has uh, an exceptional amount of support from the booster class right now. And, and in no small part, that is in thanks to, uh, uh, you know, both the necessity that we talked about earlier in the podcast, but also uh, because of the expectations that were, that were, you know, put out there and, um, It'll be interesting to see what it looks like next year with that and what that, uh, 
how that kind of turns. I, I think Florida State, the expectation from some that I speak with is that you probably need to have seven wins next to your name when you go into that Florida game next year. You know, maybe have seven, flirt with eight. That's what I think a lot of people with level heads look for next year and then see that kind of, uh, not the final step, but that, uh, you know, 2023 year being the opportunity to be back to a program that wins 10 games, uh, you know, can can be a power player, at least in your own conference, or at least uh, the part of your your conference, depending on what Clemson looks like. 100%. Um, looking through some more of the stats to wrap the year. Listen to the transfer portal show. I, I, I think them taking, you know, two to three offensive linemen is really important in the portal. I think they are going to get this thing right via the high school ranks in the long term, but they do need some more short-term band-aids there for sure. You got to find a way to play better zone coverage next year. I, 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 I really believe that, but I, I'm because I said some things about the defense that were not so nice. So I want to say something nice. Like Knowles, Cooper, Brownlee, if he comes back, Robinson, Travis Hunter, Sam McCall. That's a Brown. pretty nice secondary, man. Like that, that's a secondary that like would that be a secondary Bama's happy with? No. Georgia, probably not. About 110 teams out there. Yeah. Could be in a couple of years, but yeah. Right, no, exactly. You're right. right. Yeah. I mean, like, would Brownlee start for Georgia? Probably not. No, you know, Cooper, no, no, Brownlee would not. Brownlee would, not a, no. Yeah. I will say Georgia's secondary. It's not like untested. the rest of the team, but it's untested. still pretty. Look at those kids. I'm not telling. I know you know those high school <laughs> yeah. bios, but. Uh, and, and a lot of three-star projects on Georgia's roster right now. No. No, they have, they have quite a few studs. Interesting season, man. Interesting season. Interesting season on the field. Uh, not to be redundant, but I think as far as what we classified the main mission, mission accomplished. Uh, again, we'll have to see come the early signing period. And uh, But Travis Hunter's LOI lands, I'm, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Okay, It's what we said it was all about from game one. Uh, show enough progress on the field that this class doesn't just disseminate in front of your eyes. Uh, and you're able to do that and uh, give yourself an injection of talent that was not just desperately needed. I mean, a prerequisite to even dream of having uh, a moderate amount of success around here. Uh, you got lucky with, with Hunter, and by all accounts, you may well turn that into a really impactful recruiting class. And if five and seven was enough to get you there, then okay by me. At the same time, some things transpired that can never, ever, ever happen again and uh, will not be forgotten. So uh, interesting year, complex year when it comes to really trying to figure out what happened, put a bow on it. Uh, but hopefully we've done as, as good a job as you could tonight. I know this has been kind of unscripted and, and rambling uh, at times, but uh this is not just a simple cookie cutter year where you can look at things 
uh, evaluate them and, and kind of give some kind of quick, you know, quick boxed up answer. Yeah. I, it, it's, it's never easy, man. It, it, it's never easy. done a really good job though. Showing the, the big picture part of this. Yeah. Right. Like you were never going to be good this year. You, you, you did land the recruiting class home. You, you have a shot for a lot more. It's never easy. You're right about that. It's also probably never as nuanced as it is when you suffer a loss at home. Maybe the worst loss in the program history at home, and yet you're still talking about a year which may be looked back as uh, as on as a success. So uh, complicated, complex, and nuanced year. Uh, as always, we uh, just thank you so much for going through it with us. Uh, this program at times has been... Uh, everything that it could possibly be to run away fans and to run away those that have an interest in it. And we as a podcast uh, have continued to grow. And uh, we thank you ever so much for that. And, uh, you know, the 10th year was an interesting year. And uh, maybe the 11th has one that has a little bit more success on the field. But uh, it's going to be a whole hell of a lot of fun to watch how Florida State closes this recruiting class and uh, and starts to lay the foundation for one that will be just as impactful uh, as to the ultimate success of this uh, of this staff and of this head coach. So we'll have recruiting here covered for you uh, as we enter into the uh, first early signing period, and uh, look forward to bringing you a couple shows that are almost fully focused on the subject matter. But uh, Bud, unless you have anything else to add tonight, that will be our uh, 2021 season review. Yeah, man. Enjoyed it, and uh, we'll talk to you next time.